Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Last week we had an amazing message uh, from Kevin, who leads him and his wife uh, Sharon. They lead the Burgess Hill congregation. Brilliant message last week. Encouraging, faith building, challenging at the same time. But the message was called Stand, Standing as One. And in these days, they're so, so important. I believe God wants us to catch what he is doing, how he is working and moving. When God's moving on the inside of you, as far as you're concerned, God's on the move. When you're looking around for something and saying, well, where's God moving? You'll be looking and you can even see or you can even miss God moving because if you're looking for something external before something internal happens, then you'll end up kind of frustrated or in doubt or, or whatever. But when God's doing something in here, as far as you're concerned, wow, God's on the move. You don't always fully understand what he's doing. But God is doing things. And I just want to read through the verses that we're looking at today, Romans 5, verses 12 to 21, quite a few verses. And I'm just going to read them in the truth version. Uh, They're encouraging, they're faith building, but then there's a few things I believe God is saying to us out of this that from the message last week about standing as one, I believe God wants us to look at, for us to then together, what does it mean to move as one? And let's just read uh, these scriptures for a moment. This is talking about the difference between Adam and, and Christ, but let's just read them. Understand then that sin entered the world through one man and the consequence of that sin is death. All who die... All will die because all have sinned. Which is talking about physical death, uh, firstly. Then it says here, verse 13, Sin existed long before God gave the law to his people. If there had been no law, then men would not be aware of what God regarded as sinful. So unless God had stated what was right, what was wrong, people just carry on doing whatever they want to do. From Adam to the time of Moses, death reigned because people were living in sin through ignorance, not because they were deliberately disobeying God's command. Adam was guilty of doing this and everyone else followed him in doing what they wanted. Yet God was awaiting the time when he would undo Adam's sin by sending his own son. Many died because of one man. So one man's decision, which determined a direction, which then led to a momentum of things, which then led to certain outcomes. One man's decision caused death for so many, not just physically, but also spiritually, separation. But yet in that context, it says, yet God was awaiting the time when he would undo Adam's sin by sending his own son. Many died because of one man, Adam, 
But now through the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, God's grace flows to many and we can receive his gift of eternal life. One man brought sin and death. Another man brought forgiveness and eternal life for all who believe in Jesus Christ. One man's sin brought judgment and condemnation, but God's gift is entirely different in its consequences. Despite all of our sin, his gift has restored us to a relationship of righteousness and total acceptance with him. Wow. So one man's sin led to separation, death and destruction. Another man's, uh, sorry, one man's decision led to that. Another man's decision led to the complete opposite. That when we respond to God, we then come into the fullness of and the good of. Through the sin of one man, death reigned for, for, all, through, uh, for all through that man. But now consider the contrast. Those who receive this wonderful grace that God has supplied and the gift of righteousness he imparts to those who believe in him are able to share in his kingdom now here on earth. They can share in the reign of the one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, even in this present life. One man's sin led to condemnation for all mankind. Yet one act of righteousness, the sacrifice of God's perfect son, has brought about more than acceptance. He has made his own life available to everyone who believes. Through one man's disobedience, many became sinners. But through one man's obedience, many are made righteous and totally acceptable in God's sight. So why was the law given? in order that men would know clearly what was sinful and their sense of guilt would increase. Only then would they see their need of the grace that God made available to deliver them from the consequences of their guilt. And God's grace is so much greater than our sin. Because of that grace, sin no longer reigns in our lives. (laughs) because of that grace that we don't deserve, that God lavishes upon us in Ephesians 1 with all wisdom and understanding, it says, sin no longer reigns in us. It has no right. It has no place. If something doesn't reign, it can't rule. It doesn't have authority any longer. Cannot reign resulting in spiritual death. Now grace reigns in us instead because of God's gift of acceptance that makes us able to receive the gift of eternal life made possible through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Decisions in our lives determine the direction. Each decision in the same direction causes movement which then leads to a momentum in that movement that then leads to outcomes, whether that's fruit or results or consequences, whatever it is. Decisions, we know, they can be positive or negative. Depending on which way you go will determine the related movement, momentum and outcomes as a result. 
I know I don't normally read stuff like off, off my pack notes like this, but I just want to stick to this for a minute. Decisions we make in our lives, spiritual, about our physical well-being, emotional, mental, in relationships, financially, vocationally. We're making decisions constantly. It's interesting how Adam, we would all say he was walking in the perfect will of God. He was with God relationally, in the garden, walking in God's will. Amazing. When you think about it, the context, no sin, no separation, him and Eve totally naked. They were not aware of anything, no shame, just living in that way before him. Yet in that moment, he began to listen to a voice that was not from God. He began to listen to a voice that was not of God. And in that moment, he made a decision to choose to go in a direction that were not the words of God. The words came from somewhere else. We know biblically they came from the devil, it was a serpent. And he listened to the lie. Listening to a lie, there's always deception involved. And it's amazing how deception is a twisting of the truth. And so the enemy, what he does, he, he used some things. Did God really say this? Well, some of what the devil said was actually what God says. But there was a little kind of thing at the end of it that caused a bit of doubt or caused, well, I don't know. And, and at the end of the day, the enemy appealed to something that sounded like, you know, a good decision. If you eat the fruit from that thing, you'll, your eyes are going to be open to all things. You will be then like God. And in that moment of deception, of the lie of the enemy, that twisting of whatever God had said, They respond. So they make a decision, first of all. Then they act and take the fruit. Then they take a bite. So there's a decision, there's movement. And once they've taken a bite of this fruit, there's a momentum that is then released. In this context, it's called sin. And that's when the sin nature came into mankind. And from that moment, something was unleashed on the earth. Now, if Adam can walk with God in the garden, in the perfect will of God, yet him and Eve were deceived and then they chose to do what they did. That shows that none of us are immune to listening to the lies of the enemy or being deceived or whatever it might be in our minds. There's a lot of voices out there, a lot of things being said in lots of different places. Matthew 4, 19 and 20, these are our two kind of key verses for this, this year, along with other things. I love what it says, Jesus said... 
It wasn't something the enemy said. This is something Jesus said. What did he say? He said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus gives an invitation that required a decision. The fishermen at that moment, they made a decision. We want to follow you. So he, the invitation come needed a decision to respond. Am I going to respond to whatever Jesus is saying at this moment? Then he said, follow me. What's he saying? As you respond and say yes to me, you begin to move with me and it's going to determine a direction of travel in your life. And that direction of travel is going to be determined by the words that I speak and the things that I show you, the things that I do. And then he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. As, he's, as they begin to follow him, he's making, forming, shaping. There's a momentum that begins to build in their lives because they're following him. They're listening to him. They're grappling with some of the things he's saying. If you notice, sometimes when he says things, they don't all go, hallelujah, amen, yeah, that was brilliant, Jesus. Sometimes they walked away going, what did he mean by that? Or I don't understand this. Or, wow, that's pretty tough. Wow, that's a hard teaching. Oh, my word, did he really mean that? Jesus, full of grace and mercy, meek and mild and gentle and loving. Did he really mean that when he made a statement. He said, this is my commands or this is what it means to follow me, to be a disciple. Wow, I don't, this is challenging. Wow. They were grappling with what it meant to follow Jesus as they were following him. It was a story that was unfolding that they didn't know at the beginning what it was going to look like. But as they walked with him and it started to unfold, something in their hearts began to burn. And when Jesus preached one day, many people stopped following him and they walked away. And he said to the disciples, are you going to go too? And their, his response, their response to him was, where can we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. You are eternal life. You are the living word. We don't, we, there's nowhere else we want to go to hear anything else. We want to live on you and your word, because you are the bread of life. And we want to be dependent on what you say. Where else can we go? They'd been, even at that point, even without being the day of Pentecost, being baptized in the Spirit, they, they had that realization, where can we go? There's nothing else that can satisfy. There's nothing else that is going to fulfill us or... Because you do. There's something about you, Jesus, and we don't want to leave you. We don't want to walk at a distance. We want to stay right with you. Wherever you go, we want to be with you because wherever you go is where you want me to be because that's where you're at work. And then he talks about fishes of men. This is the outcome, the fruit, the results, if you like, that are going to happen. Come. Make a decision, follow, let there be a direction of travel, movement in your life and I'm going to make you, there's going to be a momentum and it's going to be fruitful. See, a disciple is someone who is living a disciplined life. Now that word discipline is going to mean different things to different people at this moment. But someone who takes on the disciplines of the one who is discipling them is taking on their way of life. 
So Jesus, when he said, come follow me, he didn't say, I'm going to give you a set of rules and a set of things that you're going to have to try and abide by. That was the, that was the law. Here's a bunch of things and you've got to do this lot. Jesus wasn't saying that. He was saying, come follow me and I'm going to make you, I'm going to form you, I'm going to shape you, I'm going to work in your hearts so that you see the way that I live and the way that I speak and what I do and that's going to become the disciplines, the way of life that you are going to begin to live because something's going to happen in your heart. Decisions in our life sometimes require some discipline. How many, I don't know if you've ever thought, said this yourself. I know it's a little bit in here this morning. Is that okay? But um, sometimes we say, Father, I just want a hunger for your word. As if the Holy Spirit is just going to drop a hunger for the word in our hearts. And, and I think the Lord's response often is, well, read it then. <laughs> read it and you'll get a hunger for it. And sometimes say, Father, I want to pray more. I want to, you know, I just want to. And he says, well, pray then. It's just that simple. It's just that we want to go from zero to hero in five minutes. Suddenly we want to be like this scholar of the word and preach and and fire from heaven comes down. Or we want to go from, I'm not sure, you know, if I really, do I really want to pray through to I want to be a prayer warrior and hopefully if the Holy Spirit just comes on me, I'll suddenly go from really just not knowing what to pray to suddenly, you know, like Jen Sainz, you know, who's this sort of prayer warrior, you know, in that sense. But discipline fuels a desire. And desire results in action. Whichever way you choose will cause a desire for whichever direction you want to go in. But even on this journey in the right direction, if we can put it that way, there's a lot of things from the enemy that want to come in to undermine cause doubt, fear, anxiety, unbelief, whatever it is. Because he wants us to stop moving forward. He wants to stop a momentum going forward in our lives every day because it always leads to fruitfulness when we come, follow, make us fishes of men, whatever that looks like. Physical exercise, let's just take this for an example. In our heads, we know it's good for us, don't we? But whether it translates from, oh, it'd be, I know physical exercise would be really good. If I went cycling or went to the gym, I know it'd be really good for me. You know, but then there's a, a moment of that, exactly that. You all know what I mean. And when you do take the plunge and you say, right, I need to move from being a couch potato, you know, I don't do anything, to at least flexing my index finger or something. I need to make a decision. And you know when you first do a little bit of exercise, you stretch a bit or you, do a, a, you use muscles in a different way than you normally use them, they can hurt a little bit. They might be a bit achy the next day. And, and, and if you haven't made a real decision in your heart and, and maybe someone else says, can you help me and let's do some exercise together or something, the next day comes and you're like, I'll, just, I'll wait a few days till the aches go and then I'll pick it up again. And then the weekend comes, the following, oh, I didn't really do anything else during the week. And then before you know where you are, But sometimes we have to discipline ourselves and make some decisions, say, right, now I'm going to do this every day, a few stretches, whatever it might be, a couple of press up. We try and do a bit of cycling, do the down. I think we've done the whole of the downs link now, haven't we? Uh, 
we broke it into about 500... <laughs> we broke it into 500 sections of 300 yards. So, yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> it was... Um, yeah, wherever there's a cafe, yeah, or a coffee shop, we, we park the car and we go, right, it's only a couple of miles and we can do that and have a coffee and come back. So we know, if you want to come with us, we know where all the lunch stops, coffee stops are, the ones who do the best cakes and the best cream teas. Anybody want to come on the Downsink Cycling with us? Just, all right, let us know. We'll do a church trip, shall we? And we'll do a tour of all the cake and coffee shops on the Downs Link all the way to Shoreham. Yeah, that'd be cool. But what happens when you begin to exercise? You start building up new muscle memory, capacity, ability to go further, strengthen your body, more health, energy, less tired, mentally become sharper. Maybe there needs to be a slight change in your diet as well to help to go with that. But these things take a bit of time. And it's the same spiritually. Last week's message was so, so important. It was very motivational. It was inspirational in the sense of the style of it, but it was something from the heart of God. And Kevin and Sharon live what was communicated last week. Now, we are really good as Christians walking away from a message like that, being very inspired, encouraged, and go, oh, man, I loved it this morning. The worship was amazing. The message was brilliant. Oh, I love Kevin. Wow, you know, he's only, what, I don't know how old he is, 28, 29, something like that. No, 30 the other day, wasn't he? Oh, he's old now. So, um, <laughs> Kev, I think they're all church online this morning. Love you, mate. And, um, well, not online, but in homes in, uh, in Burgess Hill. So, so important. But what does it look like? What does it look like? And I've purposely used the word disciplines this morning and disciples, being a disciple, disciplines. Because the type of Christianity that we have and the way that we are can, can be very motivational, can be very in the, you know, whoa, come on. And, and, but yet there's a, a very real day-to-day reality So the small decisions you make build up and have a big effect. So your life matters. And the things that you do, the way that you are, the way I am, it creates an environment around your life. It creates an atmosphere around your life. There's a certain atmosphere in here, and partly it's because of the way I'm talking. If I changed it and became more jovial and a bit more jokey, the atmosphere would change, wouldn't it? Maybe some of you are thinking, that would be a good idea. (laughs) But whatever's going on in our lives, how we are, the direction of travel that we go, the decisions we're making in that, others experience that. They interact with us. They respond or react depending on what's going on. You see, whatever's going on in us overflows through us. Whatever's going on in our hearts, we speak about and we do. So your life matters, but how you live and how you are in private 
and in public need to be the same. How we are in private, how we are, they all affect who we are as a church family, as a community of believers, as a body of people, of believers. You see, in Christ, our lives are connected. And it's like we need a bit of brain surgery of taking a Western mentality out of our minds. Because Western mentality puts me right at the centre and is a very individualistic, goal-focused life. Yet in Christ, when we become believers, we become connected, we become joined together in Christ because he's the head and our lives begin to interact in a different way because we are the body. So we're connected because he's the head and we're now all born again. We've come into who we are in Christ, but we also, we become part of the body and we interact. It's interesting how the heart is in the body, not in the head. Although scripturally, heart, mind is one and the same thing. So therefore there's heart, mind in Christ, the head of the church, but there's also heart, mind in the body. And this is why each one of our lives matter. This is why it's so important that you understand who you are matters in the life of who we are. This is why your marriage, your relationships, your faith, your finances, your giving, your serving, all the different things, the anointing on your life, all of this matters because no one's here by accident. If we are where God's called us to be, we're not here by accident. We're here by design. And God brings us into relationship with him first and foremost so that we are saved from all of the negativity over here. But he also brings us into relationship with him for a purpose. And as far as God's concerned, it's relationship with purpose. What is that purpose? Matthew 6, Jesus says this in verse 9. When you pray, our heavenly Father, let your holy name be praised. This is it. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it already is the case in heaven. Wow. So when we're born again, we're not, we're not any longer living for the kingdom of this world, which is to fulfill self. We're now living for the kingdom that is not of this world. It's of another, it's, it's another kingdom, but it is in this world. And we're now here living in this invisible kingdom on one level. But this invisible kingdom is expressed with love, with giving, with blessing, with serving, with healing, with saving. The expression of God's kingdom is revealed through people. And we've been brought into this kingdom for a purpose, to see his kingdom advance going forward. Yes, in each other, but obviously in those that don't know him. There's obviously other things Jesus prays in those few scriptures. So just to close, 
Every day we make decisions. The decisions you make determine the movement. And the movement will then build a momentum. But it's not just about one decision, it's about many decisions. And the movement and momentum, walking with God, is determined by all the decisions that we make on this journey. And some of those decisions, they either detract from the movement and the momentum, ultimately the fruitfulness, or they're going to build on it and add to it and see a greater release of it. So Jesus says to us, come, follow I'm going to make you fishers of men. It's a daily walk. It's daily discipline. There's some muscle memory that is built as we make those little decisions, daily decisions. I don't know about you, but I get up in the morning. Sometimes I get up and I really want to pray. I'm like, yeah, can't grab a tea. Up, go and pray, spend time with the Lord. Other times it's like... You know, I don't feel like praying. Sometimes I have time with the Lord and, and like this morning when I got up, uh, I just went into the room where I pray and um, I thought, right, I need to do a few stretches before I... Um, we did a bit of cycling yesterday. It was a bit, right, OK. And, um, and so I thought, right, do a few stretches. Did a few things, different ones or whatever. And then there's one that I do where I, I kneel on the floor... And, and do a certain thing and just really stretch out. And it's, it's great, you know. And, uh, and I thought, right, I'll get up and sit down and listen, you know, and start praying. And as I, was, as I was down there, just stretching, it turned into worship. I started meeting with the Lord. And the next thing, I'm like, it wasn't about having a stretch. It was about being stretched, you know. And, and just in that, in that moment... And I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to move from here. If I don't get to church, then never mind. I'll stay here all morning. You know, it was just one of those moments. Everybody can have a great time without me. Um, sometimes you have those, but other times it's not. It feels like, like there's no sense of God's presence or anything, but it doesn't mean he's not there. Yeah. <laughs> but I know there's, for me, there's just disciplines. You get up. Just go and spend time with the Lord. It's the first thing. Start the day that way. Start sow the first, and the rest will be blessed. In that sense, it doesn't mean there's not challenges. But I believe we need to understand the moment that we are in, not just as a church, but with what God is doing in general. And it's so important. If you haven't listened to Kevin's message, I want to encourage you to listen to that. It's very, very like faith-building, motivational. Standing as one. But for me, the follow-on from this is, is we need to move as one. And moving as one about the decisions that each of us make in our own personal lives, but also the decisions we make in response to who we are together as a people. God is gracious with what's going on in, in the worship. Um, we don't want to ever take that for granted. And we understand when we come, we need to pray, we need to worship because we all worship God together. But there's a, a release in prayer that God wants there to be 
in who we are in, as a congregation here, but also in all four congregations, a greater release of prayer for his purposes. If when we read, just to finish, when we read those verses in, in um, Romans 5, you see all the stuff that result of one man's actions, Adam, but then we see all the results of one man's actions, Jesus. Most of the world is still living under all of that, that Adam did. They're still living in that. They're trapped. And part of the mission that God has invited us into, saved us into, is Matthew 4, 19. Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. But it's also... Matthew 6, in terms of praying that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that we live every day with a sense of, God, what do you want to do through me today? What is it that you, I'm available today for whatever you want to do? We were out, we were away in the week for a couple of days having some meetings somewhere. We were just, we stopped somewhere and just walked through a little village um, on the way from somewhere to somewhere. And we prayed in the car that morning, God, if there's anybody you want us to talk to today, interact with or whatever it is, then make us available. We turned around the corner of one little street and uh, trying to find the loos in this village. And there was a guy literally standing in this little street, wasn't it? And he was, he was going like this. He had his hand on his heart and he was like staggering around. We were like, he was a young, younger guy, wasn't he? Probably in his 30s or something. And um, we're like, hey, mate, mate, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, and he had this sheet of paper in his hand. He'd just been to the doctor. He's like, yeah, I've got to go to the hospital. I've got to get to A&E or whatever. And we're like, what's up? And he goes, I've got a blood clot and, and I'm really struggling. When he was staggering about. And we were like, mate, we, we, we're going to pray for you. We believe that Jesus heals. And he's, I mean, I don't think he was, I think anything would help him out, wouldn't it? We just slapped our hands on him and started praying for him. And, um, and he was, I don't know, I don't know what happened in that moment, um, but he was like, oh, thanks so much, thanks so much. And we're like, do you want us to come with you? Do you want us to take you? No, it's fine, I've got my van down there. I'll drive myself, I'll get there. And, um, and we were just like, Father, whatever you want to do in this guy's life at this moment, would you meet with him? Thank you for your healing grace. We just rebuke this blood clot. We command healing into your heart and your body, you know, or whatever in that moment. Now, we, he then, he was like, thank you, thank you so much. And, and then he went and got in his van and obviously drove off. I don't know, who knows? But we prayed as he drove, as he went, we were like, Father, thank you right now that that blood clot dissipates so that when he gets to the hospital, they can't find anything. There's nothing there. And he feels totally 100% healthy. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Just close your eyes for a moment and just thank God that, that you are saved out of all of the stuff that Adam did and the result of that. You're now the other side of everything that Jesus did, everything that Christ has done for us. Just thank him you're that side. If you are here today and you're, you've never given your life to Jesus and you're thinking, well, I'm not over there where you've just said with Jesus, I'm the other side, you don't have to stay there. Your life matters to God. That's why he went to the cross. He went to the cross for every individual. He didn't go there just for a mass thing. He had everybody in his heart and mind on the cross there. He went there for you to take on himself all of the consequences of what Adam did in the Garden of Eden by acting independently from God and doing what he did by taking this bit of fruit and eating it. 
and all the results of what ha happened. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you can respond and say, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to come out of all the consequences of what Adam's done and I want to come into everything that Jesus has done. And he's done it for you. Not just me or most of us in the room, but he's done it for you. And if, if that's you today, literally, you can just say, Jesus, I want, to, I want to cross from death to life. That's what it will mean for you. From death to life. I want to cross from death to life. God, forgive me for all the sins I've done, all the stuff I've done that has kept me separate from you. And I ask you to cleanse my heart and my life right now. And God, I give you myself. I ask you, you would come and live in me. Come in me. Do what Jesus says here. I want to respond. Come follow me. I want to follow Jesus for starting from today. I don't know what it means, but I know in my heart, that's what I want. Would you take me, take hold of my life? Father, I just pray for anybody in here today that is responding to you online or in church in the home. Father, I thank you that you meet with people right now. Thank you, Father. Just for the rest of us, just believe God's saying that he, he, he wants us to go home and take some time today and just sit with him for a few minutes. Just find a seat that you know is comfortable and just sit and relax and just sit there and just be in his prayer, just by faith, just sit there and go, Father, I'm here. Close your eyes and just be still before him. And in that moment, I believe what God wants each of us to do is say, Father, I just surrender afresh to you, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And I want your words to be the words of life that I listen to, not someone else's. Well, certainly the lies of the enemy. Father, would you speak to me about anything that you want to, that you need, that I need to respond to, to put some things in place in my life? As a team, we've been going through a book called God's Plan of Wellbeing for Your Life. I think that's what, something like that. God's Plan of Wellbeing is brilliant. It's by Dave Smith, who leads a church in Peterborough. And it just goes through seven days at a time, seven days on each subject, your mental well-being, your emotional well-being, your physical well-being, your spiritual well-being, your relational well-being, your vocational well-being. There's seven things in there. It's absolutely brilliant. And you take stock. It's like having a life MOT over 50 days. And a lot of it is about just little decisions that then make a big difference. And so, Father, I just pray for your grace as we respond today. At some point in our, in our day, and we just sit with you, just make some time, okay? Make some time today. Don't just go, oh, I'm just so busy. Oh, I forgot to do it. Make some time today. And see what God's going to say into your life. Father, we praise you. We thank you for who you are and all that you're doing. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. 
For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.